This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. As we get into spring and start thinking about the summer, it's a great time to take stock and think about the road ahead and make sure you're positioned properly to look after you, your retirement, and your family. I'm Martin Strong, and on Vancouver Consumer this afternoon, we'll get some answers from the folks at McMillan Estate Planning. They've got lots of great ideas. That's coming up, but first, some of the consumer news headlines from the past week. Brace yourself if you haven't seen the prices at the pumps. A gas price has reached yet another all-time high in Metro Vancouver yesterday, hitting over $2.16.9 a litre at some stations, beating the previous record set back in March, which was 2.149. And we probably won't be getting a break anytime soon. That's according to NPRO International Chief Petroleum Analyst Roger McKnight. And it's not just Vancouver. Toronto is also seeing record prices for gas. The war in Ukraine continues to get part of the blame for the surge in prices, as does inflation and good old supply and demand. Here in Metro Vancouver, we also pay some of the highest taxes on fuel in the country. Some provinces have taken action to try to help ease the burden on drivers' wallets by looking at gas taxes. However, in B.C., Premier John Horgan's government has opted for a one-time $110 rebate something that's being seen as cold comfort by a lot of BC drivers. And at these prices, 110 bucks is barely enough to fill up a Ford Fiesta. ICBC has changed its tune after they handed a cyclist who was hit by a car a bill for 3,700 bucks for damages to the car. ICBC says it will no longer seek to recover costs from cyclists or pedestrians in collisions in which they suffer serious injuries or die, or when liability is set at 50-50 because it can't determine what happened. Cycling advocates and a lot of other people were outraged when they heard the story of Ben Bolliger. He was found to be half responsible for a collision last July, even though he said the vehicle ran a red light while he was riding his bike. ICBC says it is now holding the driver 100% responsible after receiving new information from police. In addition to being off the hook for costs, Bollinger will uh, be compensated for damage to his bicycle as well. As Elon Musk prepares to take over Twitter, he says the social media platform may soon be charging certain users. Musk struck a deal worth about $44 billion to buy Twitter, and he said in a tweet this past week that Twitter will always be free for casual users, but there might be a slight cost for commercial government users. That tweet in some ways clarified an earlier message from Musk that hinted that Twitter would start charging some kind of fee. That tweet cryptically said, quote, Ultimately, the downfall of the Freemasons was giving away their stone-cutting services for nothing, unquote. Also in that statement, Musk referred to Twitter as the digital town square. 
This is Vancouver Consumer. I'm Martin Strong. Coming up, it's a look at estate planning, and it's not just for the extremely rich or people on their deathbeds. It's for everybody, and it could save you and your family a lot of money in the long run. We'll talk to the folks at Macmillan Estate Planning when Vancouver Consumer continues on CKNW. Welcome back. I'm Martin Strong. And uh, back on April 7th, the Government of Canada released its 2022 budget. And beyond the uh, glossy surface of things like, uh, for example, help for first-time home buyers and tax incentives for investing in clean energy, the budget outlined some substantial moves that will really impact wealthy Canadian families, many of whom are first-generational wealth and small business owners. And to talk about these changes and how they could affect you, Sherry McMillan from McMillan Estate Planning has joined us as we look at what wealthy families can do to proactively plan for the future. Hello, Sherry. Thanks for being with us. Thank you for the welcome, Martin. We're very delighted to be with you today. Right. And and the, the budget is a, is a funny thing. It comes out and uh, everybody kind of grabs the few sort of headlines from the budget and that's what you hear about in the news. And it takes a few weeks to kind of dig a little bit deeper into the budget. And I'm sure that's what you've been doing uh, these past few weeks. So what, what aspects of the budget really stand out to you from, a, from an estate planning point of view? Well, I tend to agree with you uh, at the outset when you were saying that it is a bit glossy at the first instance, because when you read the budget, um, you know, it's framed to sound very positive, of course, and most families were bracing themselves for probably a good smack in how much income tax would be increased into the future. But they were much more subtle about it in the budget itself, and so our team has been working Uh, rigorously to reinterpret what is being said there and what the consequences will be for the decades ahead. And the first thing that I want to point out is, although we were waiting for a capital gains increase, potentially, a lot of us were thinking that was going to come down the pipeline. Right. It didn't. And I think, you know, in my experience, there's a, a clear indication, though, in the budget release of where the government, you know, right now we have the Liberal and NDP coalition and how they're banding together um, to, you know, ultimately tax the top 1% of the Canadian wealthy families. And it's hidden in the budget, not in the first few pages, but as we go further down. And so prior to the budget release, they were chattering about wealth tax, if you recall, about increase in capital gains tax, So these were all the um, forecasts that we as tax planners were wondering if they were going to come about. But they've labeled it differently, but don't be confused, it's coming. And it's going to be coming, they say, this fall, um, and they're going to be releasing more details in the fall. So rather than the traditional wealth tax that uh, was being explored, what they're going to be doing is a more stealth tax, and they're calling it basically a minimum tax on the wealthy. And they haven't given us much detail in this budget only to say that it will be coming into place um, probably this fall. So that's a warning shot from our right. in the office. Um, they're giving us warning. It's coming. They're going to let us get through summer, and then they will release all of the details. Now, we actually have an example, uh, Martin, of alternative minimum tax in Canada right now. 
And what it does is it says that if you um, sell a particular asset and the government feels that you're not going to pay enough tax, what they'll do is they'll overtax you in the year you sold it. And if you don't uh, actually owe that tax, then they'll reimburse you over a seven-year cycle. But the trick is you have to have income in the next seven years in order to get that income tax you overpaid back. And so you can see how this is quite tricky because presuming you're, you know, somebody shifting into your retirement phases of life, and let's say you're taking uh, a buyout or you're selling your business, well, after you do so, you may not have a lot of income the next seven years, and so you might actually overpay in that particular instance and have that high taxation never to be returned to you. And so that's what we're going to be facing in the fall is an understanding of how they're going to basically employ this. So where I think our team is suggesting this has direct impact on many of us is potentially a lot of us that do own stocks and shares, Um, And that's a lot of us that are shifting into the retirement phase of our life. We finally have created affluence so that we can enjoy it. And now we may have this consequence coming down the pipeline. And the second group is, of course, business owners. Because business owners, one of the opportunities they have is in their exit plan into retirement is they often sell their businesses. And so the alternative minimum tax could be very, very painful um, in that. And we think... Obviously, with the coalition that we're facing right now, there's a huge chance with the NDP you know, pressuring Trudeau to employ some higher taxation on the wealthy that it could be much more punitive than even potentially a capital gains tax change. Interesting. Yeah, and and it, it's just another example of why you need some help, I think. And that's uh, that's why we're talking to Sherry McMillan from McMillan Estate Planning. And uh, I should mention uh, off the top that you you have an interesting uh, a webinar coming. It's absolutely free this Wednesday, or actually it's uh, May 18th, Wednesday, May 18th at 5.30 Pacific time. And it's absolutely free. You just have to go to the website, uh, which is macmillanestate.com to sign up. It's May 18th at 5.30 Pacific time. And uh, uh, you can get some questions answered. And um, I mean, already, it's it's pretty interesting to me the way uh, the terminology changes, but like with taxes, uh, you know, like... uh, uh, you know, wealth tax and what that means. And, and then, and then when the, when the terminology changes, it becomes even more confusing. And, uh, so, so what are some of the questions? Like, for example, the, the, the minimum tax on wealthy Canadians, um, like how will this work in practice? Yeah. So it's people? a fantastic question, Martin. And I think we always say sometimes the budget is undercover. <laughs> you know, the average person will just read the headlines or the larger points and think, oh, it doesn't sound too bad. And, you know, it is a bit of a political play to not outright say we're going to tax the wealthy. And if they say, for example, we're going to tax capital gains, everyone will be upset because everybody understands what capital gains are. But if they say we're going to introduce an alternative minimum tax on the wealthy, then all of a sudden everybody has questions because they don't really know if that has application to them or not. Um, And yet it can just be uh, semantics. It can just be a change of language. So 
Alternative minimum tax can mean that even on, let's say, your stock portfolios. So if you're selling um, your stock portfolios and traditionally you'd pay about 24 or 25% income tax, well, all of a sudden, if there's an alternative minimum tax that you can't pay such a low rate of tax if you have more than, let's say, $100,000 of income, they can impute that you must pay 50% tax. Well, we wouldn't call that a capital gains tax, but in effect, it is what it ends up being. And so that's the issue is this alternative minimum tax, to me, is just a way of saying we're going to introduce a brand new tax that you don't have terminology for and you don't understand. And so we are getting in the back door a little bit sneaky, in my opinion, um, so that the masses are not, you know, being reactive right away. But what is going to happen is by this fall, um, those details will show up and we'll know what that rate will be and how punitive it may be to wealthy families. And so one of the groups of families that we're most concerned about, of course, is our retired group because they often do sell assets when they are trying to fund their retirement. You know, they sell maybe their primary home to, you know, buy a smaller home and then buy a recreational property. Well, all of a sudden, that's a deemed disposition. Are we going to have an alternative minimum tax on that kind of transaction? If they sell a bunch of shares, for example, to renovate their home, are we going to have a minimum tax that we didn't expect? And, you know, business owners specifically will be impacted because they do sell their business usually all at once. And so they're getting a very high um, tax return in valuation. And if the alternative minimum tax, you know, is something like 50%, then what they thought they were going to pay 25% tax on, they're now paying 50 And so you can mm-hmm. see how dangerous um, not understanding the terminology can be. And I think there will be a new learning curve, unfortunately, for the population when they start to translate what does alternative minimum tax really mean compared to an increase in wealth tax or an increase in capital gains tax? How I look at it, Martin, is when you increase taxes, you just increase taxes across the board. And so you can call it and label it any name you want, but that's just semantics. You're increasing taxes. Right, right. And I guess it's even more important. You mentioned people with businesses, and and I guess large and small, uh, they really could use some help with with navigating this. Um, How important do you think it is for someone with a small business who is thinking about selling that business and retiring? How important is is it to really think about their estate planning? Well, prior to the budget release, a lot of people were saying maybe I should sell, you know, a lot of my stocks that have intrinsic gain in case they increase the tax rates. Well, now all of a sudden we're still thinking in that particular light if you're a business owner because depending on how they employ uh, the alternative minimum tax, if you were intending to sell your business, let's say, in 2023 or 2025, you know, what would the tax differential be? on your disposition into the future with this new taxation coming into the pipeline compared to selling today. Right. So I'm suggesting to many families, you know, let's really sit down and look at your goals and objectives because if you were intending to sell sooner than later, you know, we we would want to be giving a lot of consideration to a sale in this calendar year maybe instead of waiting until the alternative minimum tax is enacted because 
you may receive far less for the sale of that business than you would if you did it in this fiscal year. And so I think, you know, we do need to understand that when taxes increase every year um, that that increase comes into our retirement earlier has a long-term impact on us because we're living so long into retirement. We're living to 100 nowadays. And, you know, if you give up an extra 10% of your estate each calendar year, you're going to diminish your estate much more quickly. And so you do need to be looking at these things in a proactive way because Canada Revenue Agency is never generous in um, saying forgiveness to us if we didn't know we could, you know, minimize tax. We always have to do it proactively. Mm-hmm. We're talking to Sherry McMillan from McMillan Estate Planning, and uh, I mentioned their virtual uh, seminars that are coming up. They have one Wednesday, May 18th at uh, 5.30 Pacific time, and uh, you can register for free at uh, McMillan Estate Planning uh, at their website. It's www.mcmillanestate.com. You can also phone them at one 266 6464 and uh, get all your questions answered. And uh, this is Vancouver Consumer. I'm Martin Strong. And when we come back, uh, we're going to talk more about the budget and some of the the new terminology (laughs) that you're going to have to to learn and some of the things uh, that are keeping uh, Sherry McMillan up at night. And she's going through the budget, trying to, to figure out how best to to you know to handle these these new changes that are coming down the line things like uh the so-called bank tax and we'll get into that and uh just some other questions about who could use estate planning because uh uh it could it could really help and it and it's not just about avoiding tax it's about you know preparing uh, your family and protecting your family and we'll have more when we return on Vancouver Consumer right after this Welcome back. This is Vancouver Consumer. I'm Martin Strong, and we are talking about uh, estate planning with Sherry McMillan from McMillan Estate Planning. They have a virtual seminar coming up Wednesday, May 18th at 5.30 p.m. uh, our time, Pacific time, and you can uh, register on their website at macmillanestate.com or give them a call, 1-833-266-6464. It's May 18th at 5.30 p.m. And Sherry, we've talked a lot about the budget, and we'll talk a little bit more about um, how the changes in the budget could could affect a lot of people. And uh, But I want to ask you a general question about, about, estate planning and and you've 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 worked with all sorts of people people of very high wealth people of you know moderate wealth and um answer this question why should why should people plan their estate well i think the driving force in my observation over the last few decades martin is that families think initially they come in and say you know i don't want to forego and pay too much income tax but actually, you know, within a very few few minutes, we uncover that actually that's not why they've come at all. It's the secondary reason. Uh, the primary reason families plan is they want their wealth to provide um, freedom to their family and choices. And they also want to enjoy that wealth and do a wealth transfer that honors their life's work without any discord because nobody ever wants to fight with their family about money. 
And this is one of the most common um, observations we all have in society is that we see families fall out over estates on an ongoing basis. And so actually the driving force for most families is they want to preserve harmony in their family unit. And so the only way you can do that is by being proactive and really understanding the personal family dynamics, who are the players, what kind of uh, individual circumstances are they facing? Do we have a child that's going to go through a divorce? Do we have a child that has an addiction? Do we have a difficult in-law? Um, we're all real people, and no matter how affluent we are, we face real-life circumstances. And so being proactive about how you design it from a functional standpoint in the family is equally as important on those soft issues as worrying about the income tax or worrying about the legal platform you're using. And so I think it it comes right down to the fact we love our families and the wealth we create is to share with them and it's certainly not to fight over it. And so I think that's one of the main driving forces. Yeah, and it's so common too. You see it all the time. As soon as money enters the thing, it becomes a a complicated issue. And and I and that's why, you know, like good planning can can save a lot of trouble. And that's what the Macmillan Estate Planning does. And if you go to their website, www.macmillanestate.com. And we've been talking about the budget and the changes in the budget. Uh, and some some of these changes are, are buried deep in the budget with terminology that's kind of new. And, and trying, to, trying to navigate that is tough without help. And, uh, you know, one of the things uh, you've talked about is this so-called bank tax. Tell us about that. Yeah, so what what the government has chosen to do is to basically tax two industries that not many of us have a lot of sympathy for, to be honest. Um, We all feel like banks and insurance companies in Canada, you know, make millions and millions of dollars of profit. So there's not a lot of empathy or sympathy towards them. So what the government has chosen to do in this budget is basically create a recovery tax It's a one-time tax on all income that the banks and insurance companies are making in the year 2021, and it's a 15% taxation. So it's not small. This is substantial um, lift that the government is going to collect in income tax. But let's not be um, naive about this. The banks and the insurance companies aren't going to weather that storm alone. They're going to downchain that cost and that expense to the consumer. So, you know, they will do things like increase interest rates on their borrowing. They will increase premiums on insurances. You know, they're not going to not make the same amount of profit. What they're going to do is spread that taxation out amongst all of us. And there's not too many of us that don't use a bank or don't use insurance. (laughs) And so it actually is a mass tax, if you think about it, practically speaking. It sounds good. It sounds like it's only going to be those two types of institutions. But at the end of the day, we all use those institutions. And so it's us going to be paying those taxes. 
Yeah, it's interesting how uh, the budgets are often about optics. And like you say, nobody has a lot of sympathy for the banks. But in actual fact, when that money sort of, when when the, the cost of that tax to the banks, you know, shifts down to consumers, that's a whole different story. So with, with those kind of political optics in mind, I mean, uh, a, a lot of the budget seems, you know, you know, like you say, going after the people who deserve to be taxed. Um, what can, um, keep, keeping that in mind, what can wealthy families, retirees, and small business owners do to protect their wealth and estates uh, in the future? Yeah, well, the two, the two main areas that we're really focusing on in 2022 um, is because the budget did not attack these areas, and so we want to make sure they're employed quickly in this calendar year for our families. The first one I, I like to talk about is when we're doing our investment planning, we actually have two institutions we can do it through. We can do it through the Bank Act of Canada, and of course this taxation we just talked about will impact us. But we have an alternative in Canada, and that alternative is called trust law. And when we're doing our investment planning through trust law, we can actually command different benefits than we can in the banking system. And it's not a secret. Uh, trust is basically a protective stance or a fence around our assets that we're allowed to put in place. And wealthy families have used these for really thousands of years in Europe. And we have this opportunity in Canada. And when we use a trust to do our investment planning, even if we're buying things like stocks and mutual funds, what happens is the principle of our investment that we originally put in is guaranteed. And so we're not at the mercy of the markets in the same way, even if we are buying the markets. And we're also lawsuit in private and credit protected. So when we pass on, we don't have to transfer our wealth through the court system. And this is specifically important in BC because we have transfer tax in BC. And, you know, it's, it's substantial. It's about 1.4%. And we eliminate that entirely in trust planning. So one of the families um, that we more recently worked with, what we suggested is rather than, you know, having their mutual funds and GICs and RSPs all in the banking system, we shifted it to the trust system and we could eliminate literally hundreds of thousands of dollars of costs in their estate. So it's a really important opportunity. And thankfully, it wasn't... Um, addressed in the budget, which means we get to keep it. And so we may as well utilize it while we have this window of opportunity for sure. Right. And and just another reason why, uh, at least for me listening to this, why I feel like I'm a little over my head. And that's why uh, going to a, a place like Macmillan Estate Planning uh, is a wise thing to do. We're talking to Sherry McMillan, the CEO of Macmillan Estate Planning, and they have a, a, a seminar and I keep mentioning them because I think it's a great chance for people to kind of, you know, you know, get their questions answered and, and, and see if, if Macmillan estate, uh, can, can help them. And it's Wednesday, May 18th at five thirty Pacific time. And you can just go to their website, uh, www.macmillanestate.com to sign up. It's absolutely free. You can also phone them at one 266 6464 And, um, you know, one of the questions I'm you might have is, uh, what's a maximum tax actuarial reserve? Because <laughs> I was just looking <laughs> at the at all the stuff here, and that's a, another thing that uh, sounds 
I think it could be good. The maximum tax actuarial reserve. I've actually pronounced it right this time. So explain what that is. Certainly. So like an individual, we have the tax-free savings account that we have an ability to save some wealth without any income tax. When we're a company, we have the same thing, but it's called the maximum tax actuarial reserve. But I call it the giant tax-free savings account for companies. And it works the same, except it's much larger than the tax-free savings account. It's 25% of your net worth. So if you have a $10 million net worth, it means you can have $2.5 million of your wealth grow tax-free. And that's substantially more than the tax-free savings account. So many of us, um, when we're shifting into retirement or we have companies, uh, we aren't utilizing this privilege, and we should be, because it's such a wonderful opportunity for all of us as Canadians. Right. And uh, and those are the kind of questions. Uh, because you had a, a story about that, um, a couple who, yes. who uh, built up a lot of wealth in their company through the real estate that they, they had acquired, and you helped them with that. Yeah, and it was a, a very... Um, interesting story because the the eldest child was actually a lawyer and very business orientated and uh, she wanted to succeed you know the business and carry it on but the other child was much more social in their point of view and was actually working in social causes so what we did is these were you know one family with two different types of children and two different goals and so we used the maximum tax range to have 25% of the estate grow tax-free for the family. And that's what we used to buy out the child that didn't want to continue on in the family business themselves. And I think, you know, these are the types of creative things that can be done when you actually are proactive. So it's because we understood that each person and each child had their own goals and objectives. And most siblings are individuals and end up wanting to, you know, pursue their own life course. So how do you bring that all together with the complexity of modern times and family business and assets in varying, you know, jurisdictions and children living no matter today all over the place? And, you know, by using these varying conversations and varying tools, you can find a solution. But what sadly does happen, Martin, a lot of times is families don't have these conversations until someone has died. And then it's too late because conflict arises. And so I think um, these are wonderful tools we have in our toolkit, but it's important to sit down and explore which ones make the most sense. And mm-hmm. usually there is a solution. So, you know, it's just a matter of having the discussion. Yeah. And the first step is going to MacmillanEstate.com. And uh, I, I think signing up for for one of their upcoming uh, webinars, their online seminars, uh, and the next one's Wednesday, May 18th at 5.30 Pacific time. They're absolutely free. Just go to MacmillanEstate.com. Or you can call one 266 6464 And uh, Sherry Mac. McMillan has been our guest, uh, the CEO of McMillan Estate Planning. And uh, thank you so much. There's there's so much to unpack, uh, especially with the new budget. And uh, I just thank you for spending the time with us this afternoon. Thank you, Martin.
All right. Sherry McMillan, McMillan Estate Planning. Once again, that website is www.mcmillanestate.com. This is Vancouver Consumer. I'm Martin Strong, and we'll be back with more right after this. Welcome back. I'm Martin Strong, and it is Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. And now that everybody has a high-definition movie camera in their pocket with their phone, it seems like everything is being recorded these days. So 100 years from now, there's going to be plenty of evidence of what life was like here in the present day. But back in 1907, a movie camera was a rare thing. And it was on this day, back in 1907, the oldest surviving film footage of Vancouver was shot. It was May 7th, 115 years ago today. It was just after noon when renowned filmmaker William Harbeck of Seattle recorded seven minutes of footage from the deck of a moving streetcar moving through the streets. He started at Robson and Granville. And he went on from there. The province newspaper described it this way back in 1907. They called it kinetoscope-itis because as the businessmen were strolling down the street thinking about their business deals, uh, they would see the huge movie camera and suddenly, quote, straighten up throw out their chest and try to look as if they owned the whole street. The province went on to say that in the residential sections, mothers brought out their babies and posed by the gates as the picture-taking car went past. William Harbeck, the filmmaker from Seattle, was kind of a famous guy at this point. He had made films all over the U.S. and Mexico, and now he was working for the Canadian Pacific Railway. The CPR wanted the footage to publicize Western Canada to the rest of the world. Harbeck would go on to produce 13 similar films for the CPR, including a similar streetcar film of Victoria and a film called The Ship's Husband, which was a short comedy about a marital mix-up on board a CPR ferry. CPR was so happy, uh, they sent him to Europe to show the films there. By 1912, Harbeck was so popular as a filmmaker around the world, he would get a big contract to make a film which unfortunately would turn out to be his last. He was tasked with getting on board and documenting the maiden voyage of a new cruise ship that was getting a lot, uh, getting a lot of attention. And uh, of course, that cruise ship was called the Titanic, and it didn't end well for Harbeck. But his footage of Vancouver in 1907 still survives. You can see it on YouTube, the oldest film footage we have of Vancouver. Still to come on Vancouver Consumer, the Vancouver Resource Investment Conference is coming to town May 17th and 18th, and we'll talk to the organizer of that when we come back. Plus, the news is next. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.